Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. From the Finney podcast with Ollie, a Jimmy voice note, or a few, and myself, Jake. This is our first monthly review episode, and we will be discussing the midweek defeat to Brighton, the weekend's defeat to Stoke City, a season ticket U turn from the club, shock horror, and then we will get into our monthly review section before looking ahead to Brentford. So hopefully you enjoy, and don't forget to share and tell your friends and family. How are we, pal? Are you good? Yeah, not too bad, thanks, mate. Not too bad. Good. Good. It's um, keeping up the trend of two of us. Yeah. For the last few weeks. But although was Jimmy on last week or was he just a voice note? No, he was voice all note. Three, wasn't he? All three of us. No, all three of us were on last week. I I was present but I wasn't present at the same time. Oh, you were up in the lakes, that's why I was getting confused. Yeah. But I still made yeah. it here again today. No, he should be back next week. He forgot when we were planning during the week. He forgot that it was his daughter's second birthday today. So, <laughs> Quite priorities and all forget. that. Yeah, I did try and twist his arm, try and get him to come on, but to no avail. Uh, but like I said, he's, he's still here, isn't he, with a, with a voice note or 10. Right, Brighton game. Nine changes. I think it was Bauer. Well, I know it was Bauer and Rafferty that kept the place from uh, the previous game. Yeah. Two standout chances, really. They came one after another. Uh, mm. Do you think Stockley should have taken his chance, or do you think it's quite a difficult chance? Keepers made a good save, mm. or yeah, I don't think he can do any more. Really, I think it's uh, yeah similar to the Sheffield Wednesday goal last season. Took it early, good save by the keeper. Um, and yeah. obviously Bowers header from the corner, which off the bar arguably should have should have probably scored it. But we mentioned it last season. Um, Gets a lot of first contacts on corners, Bauer. So I think mm. he'll, he'll net a few of them this season. Obviously, he already scored in the first round, but um, like I said, nine changes. Um, obviously, Stockley was going to start um, at Norwich, but had to pull out and self isolation and yeah, got and his all start, that. Got his start, and I thought first twenty minutes he was all right, but but like the rest of the team, I think last seventy minutes they controlled the game and. Their quality came through. I think. Yeah. Any anyone who watched Brighton yesterday against United, really good side, um, very good manager as well. So, can't really have too many complaints. Nah, and a, a handful of them players that played against us as well, uh, players that will play frequently this season in the Premier League. So it's not like they, it was a yeah. side devoid of quality. No, absolutely. I think even even if they did make sort of ten eleven changes, still very good quality of player um, yeah obviously Johan Batch uh, his goal was very good strike and he's quite yeah, a regular brilliant finish to be fair yeah he's, he's a regular for them um, in the Prem and um, obviously Bernardo um, is he? I don't think he is he was on loan last season wasn't he? Johan Batch yeah no I don't think so I think he's a regular unless I'm wrong but um, came on yesterday did alright so 
I think their whole McAllister as well, who scored. Yeah, I think their their whole sides just a very good depth of squad and probably a good run out for a lot of our players. Oh no, you're right. It wasn't on loan last season. Who am I thinking of that went on loan from Brighton last season to like Millwall or somewhere? I'm not sure, pal. But you hang back, Chelsea. Been to a World Cup. Quite an important member of Brighton's <coughs> squad. So yeah, just just showed the quality we're up against. Obviously. The winner, obviously, playing Man United. Bit of a disappointment that we didn't sort of go for it, but we all know that the league is Alex Neil's bread and butter. So, yeah, good run out for players like Bayliss. Um, obviously, Stockley's probably going to feature. Um, so, yeah, like like Jamie said in his voice note, sort of just one of them that you just dust yourself down and move on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking to Jimmy in his voice note, we'll hand you over now. Hi guys, it's Jimmy. Hope you all well. Uh, pleasure to come with you today. I'll be walking around a farm feeding the ducks and the sheep uh, on my daughter's second birthday. So it's uh, yeah, family day today, unfortunately. So um, I will be back next week with you guys. Uh, but just thought I'd drop you a quick note, just starting with the Brighton game. Obviously, making nine changes, we lacked a little bit of fluidity in the first half. And obviously, Brighton sad little with Premier League quality in, in the ranks and yeah we've had the two chances in the first half Jaden's made the keeper pull off a great save and then from the resulting corner obviously Pat's hit the bar um, but Jaden's effort's the only shot on target we've had in the game and I think that was the disappointing thing for me was we didn't really create much and once Brighton got a foothold in the game the second half there was only one team that was going to win the game. Uh, Pascal Gross, Max Sanders on his full debut, glad he was on loan at AFC Wimbledon last season. Um, McAllister, the Argentinian, and then the Swedish lad up front, real handful. Can tell why Swansea looked at him, why we've looked at him as well. So hopefully we might be able to get him over the line if it does come off, should they get knocked out, cut by United um, this week. But no complaints about the result. Better team won on the night. You can't say fairer than that, really. No real standout performances for me. Um, I think it's just one of those games where you just knock it on the head and you move on. That's probably the best way to describe it. Cheers for that, Jim. So, on to yesterday then. Well, Saturday, if you're listening to this on Monday. We still need to get our, head around, our heads around that. Yeah. But first 20 minutes or so, there's no doubt about it. We were the better team, easily. Yeah, I think uh, obviously yes. the change of formation as well, I was just going to mention. Yeah, well, I think, was it you or Jim that had said about the 3-5-2 and that they'd been working on it? Yeah, heard heard yesterday that obviously they'd been working on three at the back and Darnell was a doubt. So, obviously played 3-5-2 but with wingers um, yeah. at, at wing-back, which is I'm pretty sure that's the first time we've done that under Alex Neal. Um, don't know if you remember, but Sheffield Wednesday away last season, they played a 3-5-2 with wingers. Um, and obviously we set up 3-5-2 that night, but with wing-backs. But I thought it was pretty interesting, like you said. First 20 minutes, well on top. I yeah, think... kept, we got in behind numerous times, didn't we? Yeah. Their, their back three looked quite slow, quite easy to penetrate, to be fair. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we sort of overran them in midfield. Um and like I said, got behind them a few times. Um, yeah, the system worked. Alan Brown pressing high. Obviously, Shawnee doing what he does. Um, Barkey was, was good. Yeah. Just, we'll come on to that in a minute. And 
Sinclair, again, it's another, I think it was, again, I think it was you that sent a message to the WhatsApp group yesterday and, and said about his positioning early on. Yeah, I think the thing, the, the thing was yesterday, it was a risk that Alex Neal was prepared to take because I think if you play wings at wing back, the key, the key to that being effective is having territory in the game. So obviously if you yeah. have, if you have territory like we did in the first 15 minutes, he's going to be playing more as a winger and he's going to pin their right wing back, um, you know, back into his, his own third. And I thought that was quite yeah. effective. I think you could tell when we got into sort of a defensive position that his sort of body positioning um, and understanding of where to be in relation to the ball was, you know, pretty uh, pretty alien to him. But that was... It's probably the, probably the first time he's, or one of the few times that he's played that position yeah. in his career, never mind. Yeah. Yeah, but, but I think that was a risk that Neil was obviously prepared to take. Um, and to be fair, until the red card, um, you know, we were, we're well in on control, top. weren't we? Yeah, I, I think even after the red, we we were the better side in the first half, even with ten men. Yeah, I think I think that the red card was sort of twenty-five minutes. I think the last twenty, you know, you probably couldn't tell that we were a man down. Um, no, obviously, when you get to half time against a side like that. It's always going to be tough in the second half, which it proved to be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll make no bones about it. It was a fucking shit decision. I'm still raging about it now. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know... The thing is, chat. with things like that, it's, it's, not, it's not just... Again, I think, I think you mentioned something like this. Things, decisions like that can affect a season or mm. half a season or a good chunk of a season because if we... I mean... Looking at it yesterday, I don't think it's the kind of result that would get the lads down. Obviously, I'm not in the dressing room. I don't know that for a fact. But they they strike me as a kind of bunch that would try and react to an injustice. But there's nothing to say that that couldn't set us... We go to Brentford and get say we get absolutely battered. Yeah, That could set us on a, on a bad run of games. And it's all from one shocking decision from a yeah. ref who's massively out of his depth. Yeah, I was going to say... In in the group chat, Jimmy usually uh, notices who the ref is. Um, I don't really take that much notice, and I'm not normally one to go for refs. But yesterday, that was absolutely disgusting decision. Um, I think even three or four minutes in, Janobi McKell stops a stops a break. I think it was Alan Brown, cynical yeah. as you like. It, it's clear as day, yellow card. The ref bottles it. Absolutely it, nothing. The ref bottles it because he's he's won the Champions League. Um, John Obi Mikel. If that's Ben Pearson, he's he's getting a yellow card. So I think the early signs were there and then it's just a horrendous decision. Um because of the character he is, he's he's walked off and he's taken it. But it's, honestly, like like you, I was absolutely fuming because like you said, and I was gonna mention this anyway, that doesn't just change the course of that seventy minutes. You know, we're now sitting on one point from three games when it could have easily been four. You know, that that's a massive difference at this early stage. And obviously, as I mentioned, going to Brentford next week could very easily be one point from four games. And then suddenly, you know, there's a bit of pressure on. So, like I said, massively out of his depth. No no question that it changed changed the game because Barkey mm-hmm. was um, sort of a key tactical aspect of how we set up yesterday. So, yeah. Yeah, and he was, he was performing well. Yeah, obviously got in behind him two or three times, using using to his strength really, and I'm sure the club will. Well, they've already said they're going to appeal it, so fingers it's crossed. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? Really, you'd hope so, but you know, with these decisions, you just never know. 
Boyers. Well, Darnell's Darnell's read against uh, West Brom last season got overturned, and that yeah. that was that even that had people fifty fifty on the fence. Yeah, I don't think yeah even Stoke fans yesterday saying it wasn't a red. So I well, mean, some people saying it, it wasn't even a foul. It it wasn't arguably was it? It's, no, it's it's he's he just slipped. slipped. He slipped into the tackle. The ball's there to be won, and you know he's not he's not. It's a fifty fifty. Yeah, it's it's just one of them. I think you just got to let them go and use common sense. But yeah, the ref was massively or, or out of For me, head. at worst, you, you you pull the players together and just have a word and 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 let the let the game carry on. Absolutely, <laughs> I think like Alex Neil said, obviously their their player screams and their bench makes a meal out of it. So yeah, yeah just weak refereeing. Nothing else to say Very about it really. Linesman's bottled it as well. He, he he's yeah. he's got the view he's got of it. He's right behind well, it. To be honest, I thought the linesman flag for a throw, but I don't know. But it's it's yeah, it's just very frustrating. It's exactly what we didn't need because I think yesterday was pretty important just to build off off the Norwich result. But yeah, without wasn't, doubt. wasn't meant to be, and now we're under massive pressure going to one of the best teams in the league next week. Yeah. Alex Neil crying out for a striker again. I think his comments post match about Jaden is uh, uh, probably close to a public slating of a player as you're going to get from Alex Neil uh, with his with his comments about him. He did compliment him to begin with. He said he did think he won things from deep, but he didn't think he won enough crosses into the box. And they're, obviously, they're the ones that matter, and that he needs to get himself on the end of him, mm-hmm. and that Jaden could have nothing to complain about in terms of the quality of crosses. Yeah, uh, and his final statement in that was he needs to free himself up and attack them if he can. It's stuff that we've been saying. For in fairness to Jaden, sometimes we have criticised the quality of crosses into the box. Obviously, that's something that's been brought up internally as well. The fact that Alex Neil's saying Jaden can't come out and criticise the quality of the crosses. Yeah, the it's something is- that we've been saying for months, months and months. Yeah, Jake. Ugh. I don't know what to say about Stockton anymore. It's, it's just no, nah, but it, it's it's clear as day he's he's, he's not yeah. a championship striker. I mean, yesterday when you're down to ten men, you're under the cosh. You need your striker to do more than just you know win challenge challenge for the ball. But if it's on his head, he'll win it. If it's if he has to move, he has he, he has to move his body. If he has to get off the ground, he just won't win you anything in the air. I mean, yeah, there was a few instances and, early on where I, I, I was referring to him to myself as lead boots because he looked like he had bloody weights on his feet like he was struggling to get off the ground yeah yeah he struggles to get off the ground and f- for what his strengths are supposed to be he should be attacking cross into the box like an absolute animal he should yeah. be flinging himself at every cross you know making it making it hard for defenders if the ball's up to him and he can pin a defender he's okay he's okay but you need to be See, so you need some sort of athletic capacity to sort of fling yourself at crosses, and he just doesn't have that. I think the chance he had on, on the volley in the first half, left footed, I think he slashes at it a little bit. It's just yeah, his it's header just, as well. Like, yeah. He's not even hit the target. What is he trying to do with that? Is he trying to pick someone out of the back post? Is he having a shot? As a striker, he needs to be having a shot, in my opinion, in that, in that scenario. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to be over, overcritical because I think. We all know, well, I think we do know what Stockley is. Um, the fact that he's our only proper number nine is an absolute embarrassment to the club. Um, obviously, 
we did have Nugent as an option last season. He's no longer an option. We now have, you know, Stockley and Maguire. Maguire is arguably more comfortable off the left now. Yeah. So to have to have a player in Jaden Stockley as your only number nine, it's it's bordering on incompetence. It's, it's quite damning. Yeah, it's it's, and obviously Alex Neal's, as you said, come out and said that it's just, yeah, it's um, it's pretty desperate stuff, really. And mm. you know, two home games, two home games um, in the league, no goals, and look what Alex Neal's working with. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a struggle, isn't it? It's a massive struggle. Yeah. Um, right on that note, we'll we'll hand you over to Jimmy for for his voice note and uh, and obviously his opinion on on the game yesterday, on a few other bits and bobs. So yeah, enjoy. As for yesterday's game against Stoke, I wasn't surprised seeing the lineup. I know obviously a few people were a little bit surprised seeing us go three five two. We just whispered that that's what they worked on Friday in training, and. And I think we start the game really well. Uh, we look sharp, we look positive. Um, obviously, Stotty's had a great chance in the first couple of minutes of the game, which for me, he should do better with. Just lacked a little bit of composure. Um, but the sending off changes everything. It's not a red card. I'm flabbergasted still, you know, nearly 24 hours later, how he's given red. I, I believe the assistant referee, by watching how he flags, has probably influenced the decision of the referee because it's a nothing, you know, it's a nothing tackle. He slipped, and and the way that Morgan Fox rolls around and makes it look worse than it did, and then 30 seconds later jumps his feet is just absolutely scandalous for me. Um, really disappointed by the referee yesterday in general. Thought it looked completely out of his depth. Can tell he's young. Can tell he's only refereed about 24 games at Championship level, and the majority of those games are what you class as lesser fixtures. So, yeah, really disappointed um, by the three officials yesterday. Um, if that's a red card, then, you know, I expect to see four, five, six red cards a game because it's it's just crap. Really, really disappointing. It changes the complete complexion of the game for us. We had a game plan, you know, that relied on Barcazan's width um, alongside Sinclair's width. And as soon as that happens, the game completely changes. Um, I don't want to debate the game too much because at that point Stoke clearly got a foothold in the game. I think we were around 60% possession until that that moment and Stoke have ended the game with 64% possession. We just huffed and puffed but couldn't blow the house down unfortunately. It's a poor goal to concede as well. I, I do need to touch on that. I think um, Scott Sinclair should be a little bit deeper but he's playing in a very unnatural position for him. He's an attacker, he's a forward. He shouldn't be having to cover a left-back position. Um, ben Davis probably should do a little better as well. He's a bit, bit, little bit static, but clearly carrying an injury yesterday. So, whilst people want to criticise the players that are out of contract for their efforts, um, I don't think you can do that with Ben. I think he's give his all despite being probably sixty to seventy percent fit. Um, I've seen some people say, "Well, why have you not played Hunt?" But that completely changes your um, your back three. You play put Andrew Hughes there as the left side of centre half, if anything. Um, and then Jordan Story, um, ball watching again. I'm sick of saying it. It's becoming a, it's becoming an issue. Um, starting to remind me a little bit like Neil Chapman. Um, I know that's probably a really harsh um, comparison, but a player that starts ball watching is second to the man, despite being a defender. And I really like Jordan Story as a, as a defender, but he's got to switch on. He's got to 
pick up his concentration spans because he can't keep getting beat by experienced centre forwards like Lee Gregory um, in the position that he was in. I mean, yes, he's only scored one goal and he only scored six goals last season, but I thought Lee Gregory led the line really well yesterday for Stoke alongside Fletcher. You know, I think it's it just highlights exactly what we're missing more than anything, which is um, yeah, a bit a bit of a presence up front. Felt sorry for the boys yesterday. Like I said, it's out of their hands the decision that was made. We've still created chances in the final sort of ten fifteen minutes of the game, but it, it's one of those games, unfortunately, where we could be still playing now and we might not have scored. So look, we just knock it on the head, move on. Like I said about the Brighton game. Um, it's a disappointing performance, a disappointing result, but for a large, well, for 20 minutes of the game, we were the best team, and then for the other majority of the game, it's one of those where it's damage limitation, unfortunately, and you can't criticise the manager too much for me for yesterday, because, like I said previously, he's boxing with one hand behind his back, his feet tied together, you might as well blindfold him as well, to be fair, because our inactivity in the transfer market and our inability to secure any of the manager's targets is ultimately why we're currently winless in the league this season from the three games and I think you know you look at the the next two games especially you know Brentford away Cardiff at home tough games tough fixtures I know Cardiff hasn't started the season particularly well but after that you know you look at the following five games you know away at QPR and Huddersfield home to Millwall and Birmingham and then away to Reading and Rotherham, uh, Reading and are playing well at the moment, you'd expect us to start picking points up then. So, listen, it's not all doom and gloom for me. Um, I just a bit perspective-wise, you know, for over an hour yesterday, we played with 10 men and, you know, we've not embarrassed ourselves at all. So, it's dust ourselves down, let's move on and, um, yeah, we'll go again Saturday, a very tough game away at Brentford. And our first visit there, I don't know, is it Sunday now, sorry? Yeah. Things keep moving around, don't they, at the minute? So, yeah, fingers crossed, guys. And, um, yeah, I'll come on to a bit about the current transfer situation and season tickets shortly. So, catch you later. Cheers for that, Jim. Yeah, so you've you've just got a point that you want to make as well on that before we move on, haven't you, Paul? Yeah, obviously what Jimmy says about story ball watching um, comes back down to concentration for me. So, last 12 months at home, we've kept one clean sheet which obviously I know we had the period without football, but I think it's Brent, one clean... Brentford at home, 2-0. No, that was more than 12 months ago now. It's the uh, the Birmingham oh. the Birmingham game post-lockdown um, is the only clean sheet in the last 12 months. Um, so that's one clean sheet in 20 or 21 games. It's, it's pretty damning, really. And like Jimmy says, I think it just comes down to concentration. It's lapses of concentration, switching yeah. off for half a second... Because it's not like we get cut open. We don't get cut open at Deepdale. So, you know, to have to score two goals to win a game at home with the sort of attacking options that we've got, it's... Um, You're hindering yourself massively, aren't you? Yeah, you're shooting yourself in the foot before the game started, basically. Yeah. And, you know, with the lack of quality that Alex Neal has been provided, that's the last thing you want to be doing. So, it's, it always seems to be one goal. It's tough to put your finger on. Obviously, Jimmy's mentioned Story switching off. It can be Story, it can be Bauer. Rudd's had the odd laps. Ben Davis has been prone to it. I, yeah. just, it, I think it's—I don't know what it is, but it's, it, yeah, that's a damning statistic. One clean sheet in twelve months at home. Obviously, needs yeah, to be sorted out. It's not great, really. 
it's it's the least of any club in the division, unsurprisingly. So, you know, we're not we're not exactly a side who ships goals. We just can't keep them out. Really, it's very frustrating. Yeah, if anyone's wanting a tip for betting, then any North End games, I'd, I'd go as far as including as in your both teams to score. Yeah, that's a pretty solid bet for me most weeks. To be fair, <laughs> we're almost certain to concede at the minute. Yeah, yeah, some some good news then. Obviously, people were were up in arms about the the lack of a refund policy when the season tickets were announced. The lack of any kind of imagination that went into the season ticket announcement. Fair play to Peter, who's come on the podcast, held his hands up, and admitted that he made a mistake in probably rushing to meet his own deadlines, I think were his words, in terms of making the initial announcement. And I think he said something along the lines of, with hindsight, he'd probably not come out and make a a statement that I'm going to do something by this date and then rush to to achieve it. It'd it'd take a bit more time and and go about it in a different way. But in in fairness to the club this week, they've they've performed a... I think some people might refer to it as a bit of a miraculous U-turn as it was when it comes to the season tickets. Do you think, like I do, that if they'd have gone about it this way from the start, more people would have bought? Yeah, absolutely. I think the conclusion that they finally come to, I think, to be fair, they've been backed into a corner by the fans. I think we've played a big part in it. Um, they've been held to account, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. They've been held to account, backed into a corner, left with no choice. I think yeah. the three options they put on the table are very, you know, you can't have any arguments with it. I think it covers all bases. So the the first one is retain your season ticket and attend any remaining fixtures this season when we can, and also receive free access to iFollow for all the remaining home games, and you get the the midweek away games as well that we spoke about. I think pre or post Peter podcast yeah the second one is simply just apply for a full refund and the third one is don't claim a refund but you carry your payment over and take it as a full payment for a 21-22 season card yeah I think if they'd have gone about it that way at the start I would imagine a lot more people would have bought I'd have even considered it if if I knew I had, had the option to either re- get my money back should I need it should I be in a dire straight situation or just carry the payment over and take it for next season. Yeah, yeah, me too. I would have, um, I would have got one. Absolutely. I think, you know, they they have been quite creative in those three options. The one, the one caveat I'd have <laughs> Which is, is novel. The one caveat I'd have is, if you've got five thousand people who've bought a season ticket already, those five thousand people are probably going to be quite comfortable with risking that amount of money to have paid it. So I don't yeah. think I don't think there will actually be many refunds because um, the money's already gone and they've already sort of sacrificed that money. But the options there now, I was yeah. banging I was banging the drum for this deferred income slash refund thing. I think it was very weak on a legal and moral basis to begin with. So I'm glad they've sort of found a conscience in that respect. But yeah, you can't really argue with it now. I think obviously. It doesn't look like fans are going to be back in any time soon, which is what some of us feared. Um, but, but yeah, it's um, it's, it's positive move, and I'm glad they've obviously, you know, had the balls to make the U-turn. So yeah, yeah it's um, it, it it sort of just proves though the spin that the club have put on it, saying we need season ticket money to be you know a healthy club or whatever because 
they obviously don't. If if they sell one of the big four, that covers any lost season ticket money anyway. Yeah, absolutely. But 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 yeah, fair play to the club for putting the fans first and making the right decision. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Bravo, Peter and Co. And on that note, pal, I think it's time for uh, a brew break. Cool. Wicked. Cheers, mate. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. In this part, we're going to go through our choices for the monthly review section of the podcast. But before that, we're just going to talk a little bit about the off-field goings-on or lack of goings-on, depending on which way you look at it. So we'll start, mate, with obviously Peter on TalkSport at some point during the week. I can't remember which day it was exactly. I know Jimmy, Jimmy briefly mentions this in his voice note that's coming up, but... You mentioned something about fans wanting a 20-goal-a-season striker. Yeah. yeah. When he was on the podcast with us, we, we even said to him ourselves, Peter, we're under no illusions that we know that they're few and far between. And in some instances, they, they don't exist for clubs like us. But he, he, he keeps banging that drum that that's what we're demanding as fans. And, and I think, yeah, there's some fans that are, but I think on the whole, we're not. We just want a competent striker who can lead the line. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that comment, I listened to it the other day and I thought that comment was a little bit patronising because, like you've just said, 90% of us aren't asking for a 20-goal-a-season striker. I think Jimmy's even said it, you know, I think there's only two or three of them out there at this level. Um, And if if they're out there, they get snapped up anyway. So, let's be honest, a a six-goal-a-season striker would be an improvement on what we've got now. None of us are asking for that. I think... You know, Alex Neal's highlighted certain players that he's wanted. None of them would have sort of broke the bank. They would have improved us. And I've said it time and again, the key to a number nine for an Alex Neal side is athletic capacity, mobility, power. Yeah. You know, it's not just about... It's, it's about so much more than just the goals. Um, yeah, it's about making... Alex Neal wants someone who's going to make sacrifices for the team. Yeah. Absolutely. If you look at how we play, we don't create tons of chances for the striker. That's not how we play. We we bring the wide players inside. The number 10 gets chances. We've got midfield runners. The number yeah. nine is about a lot more than just finishing off chances. The number nine is the focal point to the attack. Um, and, you know, a 20-goal-a-season striker would be an amazing bonus. But for a start, let's just have someone who fits Alex Neal's profile. Um, yeah. And it, it, yeah, let's not run before we can walk. Exactly. I'd, you know, eight, nine, ten goals now from a, from a mobile strike would be a bonus. It would improve yeah, us. Added, added to what, six to 12 from any number of our midfielders or wide players, then yeah, it's an immediate improvement on the last two seasons, three seasons, however far back you're looking. Yeah, because I think if you look throughout Alex Neal's sort of time here, we've always had like you say, three, four, five players who have got six, seven, eight, nine, ten goals. So yeah. last season, DJ, I can't remember how many he got now, maybe 12 goals. 12, like I think it was. I think Barkusen got, what was it, 10-ish? 10 or 11, yeah. Then you got Maguire, five or six. Stockley, I think, got three or four, maybe. So, you know, do share them about. I think Galli got five or six. We've always shared yeah. them about. It's never been 
the owners has never been on a striker to score 20 goals. Um, the last time it was was when we were in League One and it was Joe yeah. Garner. Yeah, and it's a lot easier to get a striker at that level who's going to bang him in. Um, yeah. I think when when Hugel was sold, he was on 10 goals in about 25 games, which, which yeah. works out at sort of 15, 15 in a season. And people say now, like, oh, I wouldn't have him back. Mm. He's not the answer. He's not the Messiah, blah, blah, blah. But he is, he, he like is the you Messiah. Just said, <laughs> you, you look back at his last half season with us, he'd scored more goals in half a season than all of our strikers did last season. Yeah, honestly, mate, absolutely chalk and cheese to what we've got now. Yeah. And it's the, it's the classic case of you don't know what it's got until it's gone. Um, There's a reason that a club like Norwich who are going to be up there challenging for promotion have yeah. signed gone out and signed him because he's a, he's a quality, experienced championship yeah. striker. He knows yeah. his way around the division. Yeah. He from, knows from, where the back of the net is. From my point of view, the argument is, is finished now. I mean, I've been arguing yeah, it for three or four years, but the argument is just finished now. Um, it's, it's, it's simply finished. And if you compare it to what we've got, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's yet more... It's not incompetency, but it's it's Alex Neal having his hands tied behind his back again. Um, yeah. Obviously, Callum Robinson scored twice against Chelsea yesterday. Another player that is, is, has been taken away from him. Daniel Johnson not in the squad yesterday. I think, you know, third game in, in a row. Injured, again, uh, air commas here that people can't see, but injured. Yeah, so, you know, that's... If you're taking these players away, it does add up. Especially when you're mm. signing League 2 strikers with a £750,000 release clause. Yeah. And I don't know if you're going to touch on it now, but people saying Neil out or whatever, just look at what he's got to work with. Well, yeah. I mean, twice this week there's been instances. I've seen people calling for Alex Neil's head. I've seen people saying that he's resigned. That feels more wishful thinking from some people, um, all because he didn't do the press after the Brighton game. I mean, some of these people, I would imagine, have been watching fo- football for... 30, 40, 50 years, have you never seen an assistant manager do the press after a game? Like It happens. Don't immediately jump to a negative conclusion that the manager's had enough. Um, they do yeah. say negativity sells, and I think if anyone doubted that, they just need to come and look at sections of our fan base because some of them fri- thrive off it. And if that's you listening to the podcast and you turn off, then I apologise, but that's where I stand on it. I think for, for me, focus on the football. We can't, as a fan base... I think it's become clear, if it hasn't, then it should have done over the last few years, that we, we can't do anything to change what's not happening off the pitch. We know what needs to happen, but we just can't change it. And mm. I, I would implore everyone listening to just focus on the football, enjoy it while it, while it lasts, because at the minute, a, any game might be the last one. You never know. And yeah. it's also any game that has Ben Davis, Ben Pearson, Daniel Johnson playing in it again, could also be the last time that you see them playing in the North End shirt. And I think over the years, people have agreed that these players are some of the best in their positions that we've seen. So enjoy it, make the most of it. Don't get hit up and don't let it dictate your life and, and, and being miserable, whatever, around your family or your friends because you're annoyed at people not signing or no signings coming yet. It annoys everyone, but... Just don't let it get to you and don't let it dictate your life. Enjoy what you can. Focus on what you can, which is the football. I think it's as simple as that, to be quite honest. Um, my last point on that is the people that I see calling for Alex Neal's head 
I, I, I seldom see any of them making a suggestion as to who they think can come in and do better. Gareth Ainsworth. To... Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> he played for us about 20 years ago. Um... Yeah, yeah. Or Simon Grayson, because he got us out of League One. I just, I think people have been saying, obviously, Neil out, we haven't progressed in, in the three years, whatever. I think under Neil, we've come seventh and ninth. Obviously, we finished 14th one season, but seventh and ninth is clear improvement. Seventh is the highest we've finished since the last time we reached the championship playoffs, which was 10 oh, years eight. ago ish. 08, 09, yeah. Um, so let's just have a look. Let's just. Have a look at it. Every like we've just touched on every year, the starting eleven has been weakened. No debate, absolutely no debate. The starting eleven has been yeah. weakened. He's got us to ninth last season with what you'd call a League One strike force. Obviously, David Nugent has now been bombed out because you know he's, he's going to go to enough. League One. He's going to go to League One or League Two. Jaden Stockley has never. Yeah, Jaden Stockley has never performed above League Two level. Never mind League One level. Sean Maguire's had, you know, awful injury problems. He's nowhere near as effective as he once was when he when he first signed. So, and then if you, if you compound that with and Daniel, don't don't forget with Shawnee, he's been chopped and changed. You know, yeah. Stockley's played as a striker. Yeah. Dave Nugent's played as a striker. Maguire's yeah. played on the left, on the right, in the ten, up front. Yeah. And people still hold him to account and judge him as though he's a striker. You can point to it. Yeah, he was signed as a striker, but that doesn't mean he is now. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, if you add all that into Daniel Johnson missing yeah. this season, um, you know, no manager's going to come in and get more out of the squad. He's improved basically every player in this squad that he's wanted to, to sign. He needs to be backed. The issue is not the manager. You know, It's those above him. It's... It's it's wishful thinking to think we're going to attract anyone at the moment. We're not signing players. You know the wage bill has increased, but it looks like it's not going to increase anymore. You know mm. we're not backing the manager. Who who are we going to come in? Who is going to be you know willing to come in with a pedigree that Alex Neil has? Seventh place finish in the championship, a promotion from the championship, a ninth place finish in the championship. He's developed players who the club can now sell and then not replace the players that he's yeah. developed himself, who on earth is going to come into this situation with no fans, with no backing from the hierarchy? It's work with what you've got. No one is going to come in and get better out of this squad. Absolutely no, no. one. And I think we're three games into the league season, 270 minutes into it. 70 of those minutes have been played with 10 men. 90 minutes have been away to the team that was relegated last season. And another and with a 1,000 of their fans. Yeah. And the first 90 minutes were against a team who finished in the playoffs last season. So, obviously, we are sitting with one point from three games, but I think a lot of objectivity needs to be had. You know, you should take it game by game. The first game, the Swansea game, there's nothing in the game. They're a very good side. It's a poor result. Norwich away is a good performance. It's a good point on the board. And yesterday, the game is marred by a shocking refereeing decision. We're three games into the season. Do you know what I mean? And he's come out time and again. We've spoke about it. He's not been backed. Um, and people think someone like Gareth Ainsworth is going to come in and make Jaden Stockley a prolific striker. That is absolutely wishful thinking. And it simply is never going to happen. 
So be careful what you wish for is all I'd say. Well, let's let's just look at Wickham's start to the season. Drew one all with Brentford in the in the League Cup and lost on penalties. Got beat one nil by Rotherham. Got beat five nil by Blackburn and got beat two nil by Swansea yesterday. And by all accounts, the game against Swansea yesterday could have been much much more. Mm. By the so way, if Pete, go the, on. this is no slight from me on Gareth Ainsworth as as a as a as a person or a manager because he's worked absolute wonders to get Wickham yeah, to where they are. Their squad is horribly lacking depth, but. Just because he's played for us 20 years ago, by no means does that make him a better candidate for this job than Alex Neal. That is just absolutely ridiculous thinking. And, you know, people have said maybe he's not been backed because, um, you know, the players he's brought in haven't been good enough. Look at the players that he's wanting to bring in. Do you know... Should should we name a few for those that that don't know? And people might listen to this and go, well, how do you know that? How, how, why, what if you're just making it up? Well, if you don't want to believe us, don't believe us. But some of some of the names that we've been interested in, players that we've had in the building at points yeah. and not managed to go over the line for whatever reason. Some Adam that come Ar- to my head: Fraser Campbell, yeah, scored uh, on Friday. Casey Palmer, yeah, Adam Armstrong, Kiefer Moore, Jordan Hugill, yeah. Max Lowe, Jamal Lowe, Jake Bidwell, Ryan Brewster, Connor Gallagher. Um, Casey Palmer all uh, players that would immediately R. O. improve us Aro Murich Kieran yeah. Freeman Callum Johnson you know there'll be more that's just off the top of my head and you know a lot of championship clubs have now signed these players and they're doing well Jamal Lowe started really well at Swansea Geekham Moore's doing okay at Cardiff you know Jake Bedwell's been a good signing for Swansea Max um, Lowe's playing in the Premier League with Sheffield United yeah Obviously, uh, Adam Armstrong's top scorer in the championship now. So, absolutely flying. Um, Jordan Hugo's gone to Norwich. So, the sort that the rhetoric that he identifies these players, and then should be burdened with the fact that he's got them in, is just absolute rubbish. Because mm-hmm. if you look at the players he's wanted, that's a quality strike force. If you get them in, um, so yeah, it's it's. It's, it's very frustrating and I think what he said in the press last week, he won't take any more bodies in the squad. That means he's, he don't want to be burdened with any more of these, you know, League One players with no sell-on value. Um, yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's either got to be a quality player or no one because he knows that a section of the fan base who have no idea what goes on behind the scenes, he knows that they label any poor signing as, as his signing. His signing. And, and he's and to be fair, he's distancing himself from that now, and and you don't blame him because, you know, some of the things that I've said in the last twenty four hours have just been so unfair towards Alex Neil, and you know we've criticised him in the past on the podcast for being, you know, tactically rigid, taking too long for substitutions, having his favourite players, being too negative. It's not like he's got away scot free, you know. No. So, we've, we've tried to hold him to account with stuff as well. It's not like we're, we're blowing smoke up his arse left, right and centre. Exactly. But I, I, the I, stuff that we've criticised him on, in fairness, so far, I think maybe not so much post-lockdown, but this season, he's he's started to become less rigid in terms of how he sets up for, for games. Yeah. He's, he's starting to make substitutes to try and impact the game earlier on. Yeah. Uh, look at I know it's in I know it's only in the cup, but look at Derby. We go one nil down. We're absolutely dominating the game. He makes a change. Ten minutes later, he brings two more players on. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely, yeah. It's, um, and I think we, we forget how young he still is. I think he's only three or four years older than Paul Gallagher. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, he's still still learning massively. But I think this is yeah. a four four fifth season um, at this, this level. This will be his fifth season at this level. Yeah, so, you know, we really need to be careful what we wish for as a fan base. Absolutely. Uh, and on that note, we'll hand you over to Jim and, and let him have his say on, on the on the same sort of stuff. So, yeah, over to you, Jimmy. So, yeah, thanks, guys. Um, obviously, transfers-wise, it's all a bit quiet at the moment. Um, frustratingly so, because, you know, it's quite evident from yesterday and the season so far that we are missing presences up front, um, especially. I know Peter's said during the week, I think it was, that, you know, fans are crying out for a 20-goal season striker, but... We said on the podcast with him, 20-goal season strikers aren't out there. It's not a case of finding a 20-goal season striker. You know, we'd, we'd be happy with a 10-goal season striker if everyone else chips in. And I think that's where we need to be focusing our energies at. You know, there's still players out there that would be available if we pay the right money. And I know football landscapes changed in terms of the finances since COVID, um, but we've just got to find the right solution for our for the issue. Um, I feel sorry for the manager. There's not a lot else he can do at this moment in time. Um, he's playing the best team he's got available to him. And look, you know, I, I suppose it was always going to be a tough start to the season. Uh, but to not score in three of the five games so far um, highlights where the issue is. So I, I think we need clarity on the DJ situation. You know, it. He's apparently injured. What we do about that? So obviously, with Rangers, just need to sort him. You know, we've got just under two weeks left of the window for international transfers. So, you know, he either goes in that time or he becomes available to us. So, yeah, just frustrating on that front. On the flip side, club deserve do do deserve a lot of credit for the season ticket um, situation in terms of offering a refund. Um, I, I do feel that. It was the right thing to do. We've been quite critical about it on the podcast, but you know Peter did give us assurances when he came on that you know the refund option would be explored should the season not start as predicted on against on the Cardiff game. So I think um, Peter deserves a lot of credit for sticking to his word on that. And obviously the the decision, I think the decision could have been made earlier. Um, it could have been offered to start with, but you know I think it's credit where it's due on that front so yeah um, we just wait for news don't we really it's really quiet whispers wise out there I know Ollie will probably touch on that we just don't seem to be hearing anything at the minute um, and you can just tell by the manager's increased frustration over the past couple of weeks that he's just as frustrated as we are as fans so my, my message would be stick by the manager we won't get any better than him at the moment it's tough times unfortunately um, and you know don't be calling for his head because at the end of the day you're not going to get better out there and remember what happened last time we called for manager's head when we're in this sort of position you know I wasn't Alan Irvin's biggest fan but then we got Darren Ferguson in who ended up being a car crash and and ultimately we, we got relegated none of us want to be in that position so let's just be careful what we wish for um, and we hopefully pick up points over these the, the coming month Cheers for that, Jim. Much appreciated. It's always good to have you uh, you involved in the podcast and get your voice still heard by the, the many fans out there. 
So yeah, we'll we'll dive into the monthly review section now. Would have started it with the best moment, but we'll we'll get the the negative bit out of the way first, if you will. So yeah, what's what's your worst moment of the month then, pal? I know we've already touched on it, but it's gotta be the red card yesterday. Um changes the whole course of the game and can potentially impact form um, and mood going into what is a very tough game at Brentford. I think a positive result yesterday gives us four points from three tough games, gives you a platform to build on. As it happens, it's now you know, one point from three tough games and yeah, the, the red card, it's got to be the worst moment of the month because it just completely kills us yesterday. Yeah, I absolutely concur with that one. Say no more. It's the red card. It's as simple as that. Uh, yeah. Best moment of the month. What what's what is it for you? Um, for me, it's got to be Dinah Johnson's winner at Derby in the last minute. Obviously, everything that happened around the sort of situation with Rangers, people weren't expecting him to be in the squad. Obviously, he gets off the bench. Barky scores a worldie to get it back to one one, and then DJ sends us through in the last minute, which was what we deserve from what was a good performance. And then obviously followed that with a good performance at Norwich. So. Always nice to see DJ score because yeah, fantastic player. Yeah, I think for me it's Barky's two goals in the cup. Um, the first one against Mansfield, and then obviously the the one that you just touched on there against Derby County. I think he, they're both brilliant finishes. And to be fair, I just I just love a good goal. I just love a good goal like that from from the outside of the box or the edge of the box, wherever you you want to say it's from. But a nice clean connection and and just a crisp finish there's, there's nothing nothing better is there really he loves a good first time finish Tom Barker yeah he does to be fair yeah got very good technique so next one game of the month I know we've not really got much to go off and and it's month one but what what's the game of the month for you what stands out obviously I, I missed the game due to shall we say other commitments last Saturday but um, I've got to say the Norwich game obviously going there Setting up, as I said, off the back of, of a good cup win at Derby, going there, creating 2.9 expected goals um, against what I expect will be you know, an automatic promotion side. Very good performance by all accounts. Um, with that fluid front three that I like to see us play with, I enjoy watching us play with that setup. You know, We look comfortable in that shape. We look a big threat. Um, and obviously their managers mentioned before the game and after how good at pressing we are. So I think when we, when we go to teams like that and, and we press them and we get on top of them, it's, it's enjoyable to watch. We're more than a match for anyone when we do that. Yeah, well, when we get on the front no, foot, it, it, in that shape that we're comfortable in, um, we're fantastic to watch. And obviously Ledson, by all accounts, had his best game for North End. Um, yeah. Darnell Fisher came back in. I'm going to touch on him in a minute. Came back in. Uh, scored a goal so so yeah I thought you know the derby win and then the good point at Norwich I thought we'd kick on um, obviously wasn't meant to be but that'll be my game of the month yeah and no, I completely agree um, obviously it would have been nice to, to have got three points from it and in fairness it could have been no points if it wasn't yeah. for, for Deck making the save in the last minute Yeah, but yeah everything about it you know going to Carrow Road they've got fans back in the stadium for the first time so there's an argument to be made there that their their lads will be a little bit more up for it obviously wanting to put a performance on in front of fans for the first time in God knows how long but 
you know, we went there. You could say we spoiled the party a little bit. Yeah. Obviously going one nil up, then going two one up. Um, the the <laughs> the celebration from Darnell in front of their fans after he scored. Uh, I think that's his second goal in his career, was it? His first one for us. Yeah. You know, just again things that you love to see in it, really. And and yeah, I think for for me, the Norwich game is the game of the month without a doubt. And goal of the month, what what is it for you? I think there's only one contender for me. It's it's got to be Barky um, at Derby. Unbelievable strike. Yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree. It's a brilliant goal. But I think uh, again, I've just mentioned him. But I think there's there's got there's got to be a notable mention for Darnell and his and his half volley against Norwich and, and his first goal for for the club and just just the way that he, he just peels off with sheer joy and sheer yeah. happiness on his face, bouncing around like a little kid. Yeah. Um, that's that's definitely a close second. But no, Barky's goal, there's no question about it really, is there? I mean, he, he's, he's run himself into a, a a little goal of the month competition with his, with his finish against Mansfield as well, which was which was very good. Yeah, I think, I think this one's an early goal of the season contender. Oh yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, last last one then for for the monthly review section. Who's your player of the month? For me, it's it's Ryan Ladson, hands down. Mm. I think he's he's stepped up. He's continued his form from from post lockdown at the end of last season, and I think he's he's quickly making himself undroppable. Yeah, he's he's ev- it's evident to see from his performances that he is not a like for like Ben Pearson replacement. I think people need to get that idea out of their minds. He's he's got a very good range of passing on him. He drives the team forward. Uh, yesterday, you saw that he's got set piece quality as well. Um, so yeah, I think for, for me, it's Ryan Ledson, no question. Yeah, for for me, obviously notable mention to Ledson because, like, like you've just said, really, I think he's going to be going to be a big player for us. But I've got to go with Darnell Fisher for me. Obviously, he's only played. Um, 180 minutes, I think, um, Derby and Norwich. But absolutely no coincidence that those were our best two performances, you know, of the season so far. He's aggressive, direct, athletic. His final third plays underrated. Obviously, got the goal against Norwich, but won the penalty against Derby, um, and obviously nodded the header down to, to Barkey. But just his general yeah. play. He had so much energy and intensity to our right-hand side. And for me, one of the best right-backs in the league. Um, and he just makes a massive difference to how we play. So he's absolutely chalk and cheese to, to Joe Rafferty. Nothing against him, but in terms of athletic capacity, experience at the level, know-how, directness. Um, I think he's a fantastic player. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's no surprise at all that our best runs of form comes come when, when Darnell's in the team so just got a few stats about him from last season that I've had a look at this yeah. morning because I've been thinking when he doesn't play we are a poor side so last season, in this is league only 28 games he featured in which in itself is not enough um, but 28 games he featured in, 14 wins 5 draws, 9 defeats gives you 47 points which is 1.68 points per game which is sort of top six form. Yeah. 18 games he did not feature in. Four wins, seven draws, seven defeats. 
only 19 points from 18 games, which is a point per game, more or less. So you go from, you know, a top six side with Darnell to sort of a bottom six side without him. Um, and it's as simple as this for me. He's just literally one of the best right backs in the league. Um, yeah, so, so, so the poor form since lockdown, you, you can argue it's been down to a few things. Lack of intensity behind closed doors, had a few injuries, etc. But Darnell has only started two of the last 10 league games. Uh, the Norwich game, obviously, and Brentford. Um, so that's, that's coincided with our, with our shocking form. And I've come across a very worrying stat, which is since Darnell Fisher has signed, his longest run of starts has been nine starts. Not enough. It's nine starts in in a row is, is the longest he's put together. So that's twenty percent of a season. Um which is very, very worrying. His longest stretch of starts last season was six in a row. So six six games is a longer stretch you put in a row last season. And he did that once. He did six starts from October to November last season, which garnered 10 points, which is a decent return. Um, and then in January and February, he started five in a row, which came with four wins and one draw. Um, so I think when Darnell's in the team, we are simply a much better side. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if he could start sort of 30 games in a row, I think you'd see a massive difference. And Without a doubt. Fullback is somewhere where we struggle for consistency. And I think... It does weaken us a lot. Obviously, Alex Neal wanted Max Lowe on the right last summer, uh, on the left, sorry, last summer. Allows Rafferty to be sort of a right-sided second option, but he's obviously shuffled it with Hughes, Rafferty, Brown, Fisher. Um, Again, you know, just another just, example of him having to make do with what he's got. Yeah, so it, it, it weakens us massively when Fisher's not involved and fullback is a bit of an issue because we can't get two settled fullbacks to play 35-plus games. Obviously, Darnell's got the niggles. Josh Earl's sort of a, a similar niggly player. Andy Hughes had a few. Rafferty, to be fair to him, maintains fitness, but he's just yeah. very limited for me. So, so, yeah, that's why Darnell's my player at the month. I just think he's um, massively undervalued. And let's not forget he's out of contract in nine months as well. So, however many months it is, eight or nine. Yeah. Um, so, that, that's a bit of a worry as well because... You know, I think those stats just prove how big he is for us. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, yeah, let us know what, what your thoughts are on your moment of the month, your worst moment of the month, your game of the month, goal of the month and player of the month. Just tweet us um, and we'll we'll retweet any anything that we get in. And for the final, I think for the final time, we'll hand you over to Jimmy and let him talk you through his. Hi guys, right, okay, um, so moments of the month, so um, <laughs> we've not had many, have we? <laughs> um, probably beating Derby, and the way we beat Derby and the performance that day is probably my moment of the month. High pressing, energetic, composed performance, um, and, you know, a composed penalty winner from, uh, from DJ, probably his last goal for us, so... Yeah, that'd be my moment of the month. Worst moment, probably our inability to attract a striker. We can talk about the on-pitch matters all we want, but end of the day, until we get the off-pitch matters sorted, um, including our recruitment and our inability to recruit, then that's going to be the worst moment of the month. It's probably going to be the worst moment of the season as well, because until we actually 
get a mobile number nine in that can score goals, then we're going to be in this situation for a long time. Um, hopefully that changes. Goal of the month, Barky at Derby is a no question. It's a fantastic strike. Player of the month wise, um, I think despite Molly playing two games, clearly impacted the team in a positive way, and that's Donald Fisher. Um, played really well at Derby, um, kept his spot uh, for the Norwich game, scored his first goal for us. First goal in about four and a half years, I think it was. Um, I think last time he scored was against St Johnston, or playing for St Johnston even. Um, against Hearts and um, yeah just a, a real standout um, obviously really unfortunate he's got injured um, and obviously going to be missing a month so hopefully it's not a month because he looked really good in the two games he played but you know given we've only played five games and three of, well two of those have been cup games and the other three have been a bit of a mixed bag in terms of um, chopping and changing the lineup and not well only the Norwich game has resulted in a positive Outcome points wise, so yeah, despite only playing 180 minutes, Dano gets my uh, player of the month. Cheers for that, Jim. As I said before, Jimmy came on, just tweet us and let us know what your your take is on, on each of those categories. So, best moment of the month, worst moment of the month, game of the month, goal of the month, and your player of the month. And as I said, we'll we'll retweet any any that we that we get in. So, last but not least, pal, Brentford preview. Uh, there's no doubt about it. It's a tough game, mm-hmm. very tough game. They've had a, a somewhat indifferent start to the to the league, uh, winning one, losing one, and drawing one. But they've also won two games in the cup. Yeah. So maybe not that indifferent if you're looking at all games played. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's. I mean, our record against Brentford's not great either. Taking the two 0 at home last season out of it. Yeah. I think go you can go back all the way to League One, really, and mm. say that we've we've never really done well against them. Probably yeah. just one of them sides, a bit of a bogey side. Um, and our first visit to their new stadium, I haven't got a clue what it's called. No, me neither. To be fair, but it looks like um, Slovakia or Slovenia's international stadium. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's been made of Lego. Yeah, it does. Um, it's... But, How would but you no. feel, by the way, if, if we moved stadium and ended up with something like that? Would you be a bit pissed off? Or... Yeah, mortified. <laughs> to put it simply. Anyway, go on, pal. Yeah, I think everyone knows my views on Brentford. Like you said, four points from the first three games. But if you look at the, uh, the expected goals, 2.6 XG created away at Birmingham. They lost 1-0. 2.3 XG against Huddersfield, 3-0 win. And then yesterday, they've gone to Millwall and drawn 1-1, creating 1.7 XG. So they, they would have expected to have scored seven goals by now. They're a massively creative team. Obviously, a bit of uncertainty around Ben Rama. Um, obviously, Watkins has gone, but... Tony has he scored... featured in any of their games yet? Uh, I think he might have featured yesterday um, for the first time, but there's a lot of speculation, obviously, about... Um, Premier League well, move for it. Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace have been have been linked. Um, I think he got twenty minutes yesterday. So obviously Josh De Silva's a massive player for them. And Bueno, Canos, Tony, Marcondes, Rico, Henry. So they got an unbelievable squad there. And yeah, um, obviously beat Southampton away in in the cup, like you mentioned. So make no bones about it. This is the fourth game we've played, and I think it's the fourth team who will be in the top six. 
or around the top six. So the fixture gods have done us absolutely no favours there because it's a horrible game. Obviously, it's, it's on Sunday because they're playing in, in the Cup on Thursday. Yeah. Um, which might give us sort of a 1% benefit. You know, you take anything you can get at a minute. but And, and you would say, provided the red card gets overturned, Barky should be quite fresh as well. If he yeah. gets selected, you would imagine yeah. he would. Yeah, obviously, you could look at it that way. 20 minutes yesterday, fresh as a daisy. But yeah, under no illusions how tough it'll be. So... You'd take a point, wouldn't you? But then it's it's two points from four games, and you know there's still a lot of unrest. But we've gone to Norwich, similar side, and put up a good performance. So you know who knows? Obviously, we don't look like we're going to sign a player before then. So we'll have to wait and see. But I think they're a massive threat. I think yeah, I've got. I've got Norwich and Brentford as my top two. So our first two away games being being those two teams, it's very very. It's always going to be difficult, isn't it? Very tough, very tough indeed. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at our our form against them since we were back in the same league together, which was League One in 2011. Um, we've won three, four games, sorry, and drawn two out of sixteen. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, to be honest, for me, it, it, it's absolutely no relevance what happened when Simon Grayson was here for me. No, but, of course not. But there's there's a reason runs like that happen. I just think they're a, very, they're a very good side, aren't they? Yeah, no doubt about it. We lost six games back-to-back between 2013 and 2016 against Brentford. Yeah, yeah I think, to be honest, with a Grayson side who sits narrow behind the ball, you're inviting trouble against against a team like Brentford. Um, yeah, can, true. Who can pick you apart. I think a massive part of form against teams for me comes down to managers against managers rather than teams against teams. Yeah. Um, that's that's how I prefer to look at it. Um, which, but, would, would, which would tie in with when Alex Neal's come in and our record under Alex Neal is played five, played six, sorry. Um lost three, drawn one and one two, so a lot yeah. more respectable. Yeah, so t- t- to me, I'm more of a manager versus manager sort of person, but under no illusions how tough it'll be. Um, just have to wait and see. Obviously, it's it's nice to have a free week now because it's been a busy schedule. Um, yeah, it's been a, quite a hectic start to the season, really, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. We, we just need a result, Jake. Um, and it's it's not the sort of place you want to go. No. No, it's not. What's your prediction? We've we've always got a result in us. We've always got a performance in us. Um, but especially, it feels like when our backs are against the wall. Yeah, there's always a result that sort of turns the season round for us. Um, I'm not saying it's at that stage yet, but I don't know. I think if I'm being honest, I can't see past the Brentford win. Um, that's no slight on us because I think they're probably the best team in the league. But I'll, I'll probably say two 0 Brentford. We're struggling to score, um, and, and obviously they're a very good attacking side. So I'll go two 0 yeah. Brentford. Yeah, that's what I had in mind as well. Not to be boring, but yeah, I can't see past a, a Brentford win. And he, he the rate were score. Uh, sorry, the rate were conceding goals as well. Yeah, doesn't doesn't bode well. 
But this is the beauty of football. It's not played on paper and it's not played by two blokes discussing it on a podcast. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think unless you've got anything else you want to say, mate, any any more drums to bang? No, then... obviously uh, all banged, all banged this week. So, yeah, happy with that. Cheers, mate. Yeah. And uh, thanks to Jim for your voice notes. I uh, hope you, your daughter enjoys her second birthday, pal. And... Yeah, thanks for listening to episode six of the From the Finney podcast. As I say at the end of every episode, you can support us. Uh, we've got a supporter feature, which is just supporter.acast.com forward slash From the Finney. Any donation of any size is massively appreciated. It goes towards running costs of the podcast and the website, which will be back soon. Um, it's in the middle of being worked on at the moment. It's looking quite good from what I've seen. Uh, from the guy who's working on it so hopefully that'll be back uh, we'll also be introducing a mailbag uh, so if, if you as a fan have an opinion that you want to put across um, we'll distance ourselves from it whether we agree with it or not so yeah if, you, if you've got, if you've got um, an opinion or a thought or anything that you want to put across then we'll be opening up the mailbag hopefully in the next week or two and publishing fan letters and whatnot on the website under that section. So feel free to get in touch. You can email us on fromthefinney at gmail.com if you've got anything for that. And yeah, if you do make a donation and you're a small business or there's anything that you want to have plugged on the podcast, just include it in the comments section when you make the donation and we'll we'll get in touch and sort something out and leave an email address or a Twitter account or something like that and we can we can sort that out. So, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Um, don't forget to share and, and follow us on social media and on Twitter. Twitter's probably where we're most active. And cheers, pal. Thank you very much. It's always, nice, always good fun on a Sunday morning. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, mate. Yeah, cheers. Thank you very much, pal. <laughs> <laughs>